Hello, and thanks for joining us on the Christian Celebration Center podcast. Our prayer is that this audio will encourage you in Christ and challenge you from God's Word. Enjoy the message. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, picking up from when we left off last week, the next verse, verse 1, says this, brothers and sisters. And I love that Paul begins here. He's saying, hey, we're in this together. If you're a believer in Christ, Paul's like, I'm not above you, we're we're here together. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready, you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Lord, I pray that as we go through this tough passage that you would speak into every single one of our hearts so that we can be more like you. In Jesus' name, if you agree, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I know that every single one of us have certain moments in our lives that we remember. They made a mark on us. You know what I'm saying? They made a mark on us. We remember it imprint you could even say on us I had one such day I remember it and probably will for a long time it it took place in July of 2022 I look back I remember this day like it was yesterday and it was the day that I tried to cook and and you might you might think oh big deal he's cooking like oh or man does he not know how to cook I want you to know right here now I've dabbled okay I've dabbled I can make a pretty mean fried egg and I'm not even trying to brag, like, but I can. And on that day in July, I still remember it, sun was shining through the windows. I was home, Lacey wasn't yet, and she called me and asked me to, um, to cook some chicken nuggets in the oven, get them out of the freezer and cook them in the oven. And I'm like, man, I just, I just graduated here. Like, this is a new ball game. I've just gone from the microwave to the oven like came on, and so I, I, she told me I need the cookie sheets. I know where they're at. And so I, I go down there and open that thing up and get the cookie sheet out. And unbeknownst to me, when I lifted up that cookie sheet, there was another cookie sheet that was hiding in, in the other cookie sheet. And that cookie sheet uh, just dropped and hit my toe. I was bare feet at the time, and it was like a toe guillotine. That, that's really what it, what it felt like. If I would have looked down and not had one toe, I would not have been surprised. Because of the searing pain that was going through my mind in that moment, I, I wouldn't have been surprised. I'd be like, yeah, my toe's off, like, of course. Because of how I'm feeling right now, total, total pain. It took about six months for the imprint of that day to go away from my toe. And now they're as, uh, they're as ugly as ever. But they don't have that huge imprint. Well, actually, I went to the doctor for another toe issue, and they looked at that toe, and they're like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, actually, that's not why I'm here, Okay. We won't get into that story. But it was a moment where I was like, ah, ouch, that hurt so bad. You all have had, had moments like that, hopefully not the toe guillotine, but you've stubbed your toe, you've you burnt your finger, whatever it is, and you say, ouch. What about a time when someone says something to you, and it was actually kind of true, but it just made you upset, right? And it hurt, and you're like, ouch, ouch. That's kind of the feel that we get from this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You remember if you were here last week that Paul the Apostle in chapter 2 was differentiating between two types of people. 
the natural person and the spiritual person. The natural person, Paul said, was the one who was unsaved. This is someone who has not yet experienced salvation. And he contrasted that person with the spiritual person. Not to say that this person is perfect, they got everything going their way, life is easy. But this person is saved. They're born again. They've accepted Christ and the spirit of the living God is in them And if you're one of those in you, even right now as we speak. And there's a difference there that he spoke of. In this first part of chapter 3, Paul then goes over here to the believers, to those who are saved, and makes a contrast even among them. In this chapter, he focuses on the mature and the immature. And this week, as I was... Again, working on this message, I, 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 I struggled with it, and I even put it aside for a while. And like, I'm going to maybe preach something else. Because when I think about this church, I think about so much spiritual maturity. I mean, so many of you that I know, there are characteristics in you that I want to grow in. Like, seriously. There are things that I see in so many of you, godly characteristics, I want to be like. I want to grow in those areas. And so I was like, oh, talking about spiritual immaturity, like, ah, does that fit for us? But I was reminded as the Lord wouldn't let me get away from this message and from this text that, hey, none of us have arrived. Even if you are the most spiritually mature person in this world, you still, we still, all of us still have not arrived. Isn't that true? There's still more to learn. We still need to grow. There are still things that God needs to do in us and through us. And With that being said, I grabbed my pen and my notebook and my Bible several months ago when I began working on this passage. And as I read it, the first word that I wrote down on my notebook was the word, ouch. Because that is in classic Pauline style, like a cookie sheet being dropped on a toe. And Paul begins, verse 1, in this way. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. He could not address them. He could not. Well, what is he talking about in the past since he could not? Well, it was when they first came to Christ. Because Paul in AD 51 had gone to Corinth and he began to preach the gospel. A number of the Corinthians got saved. A church was planted. And Paul is saying that at that time when they were first born again, they first say, the first coming to Christ, he could not speak to them as if they were spiritually mature and they had it all figured out. He spoke to them as they were. They were new believers in Christ. And it's exciting, isn't it, when someone comes to faith in Christ? Maybe it's someone you've been praying for. It's someone that you've invited to church, someone that you, you witnessed to and led them to the Lord. And you're like, oh my goodness, this is the best day ever. When someone that you know you've been praying for comes to faith in Christ. It's exciting. Just in the last six months, I know of 97 people who have accepted Christ. They've prayed to receive Christ into their life. And that, that's in services and in kids' ministry and student ministry. That's in witnessing opportunities that people have had. Those 97, those are just the ones I've heard about. It's awesome. Here's the thing. When someone first comes to Christ, we know that the Holy Spirit needs to do a work in them. And we as the church need to make sure we allow the Holy Spirit to do that. That we don't try to do the Holy Spirit's work for him. And that we remain a church that is safe for people. A safe people, a safe church for people to find Christ, for people to grow in their relationship with the Lord. And I want to commend you, CCC, for being that type of church. I see you being welcoming. I see you being non-judgmental. 
I see you being caring and concerning and helping people grow in the Lord as you help to disciple them. We want to keep that up. Well, Paul, in this passage, uses a metaphor, the metaphor of an infant, to describe a new believer in Christ. Someone who's just come to faith in Christ as an infant. I mean, physically speaking, none of us were born a full-grown man or full-grown woman. All the moms in this place are like, amen. I mean, can you imagine a mom carrying around a full-grown man in their little snuggly? I mean, you wouldn't even see the mom because the person is full-grown. Like, it doesn't happen physically like that where you're born full-grown. In the same way, spiritually, we're, we're not, when we come to Christ, all of a sudden full-grown in our maturity in Christ. There is a process, right? There's sanctification that needs to take place. There's growth that needs to take place. And Paul, in speaking to these who once were infants, is saying, when you were infants in Christ, that's, that's good. That's normal. That's expected. But here was the problem. Paul received a report from the city of Corinth and from that church that there were many people in that church who were still living like infants in Christ. When they first came to Christ, they were an infant in Christ, normal, expected. He had no problem with new believers living like new believers, new believers acting like new believers. He had zero problem with that. But when he got this report discovering, oh my goodness, there are many in this church in Corinth who are still infants in Christ. And it has been three years. Amen. Verse 2, Paul said, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. Old sinful habits, attitudes, following the ways of the world. I mean, infants are, are so cute and cuddly and little, and they... They cry and it's cute. Sometimes they, they, they dirty their diaper and it's still a little bit cute, you know, when they're really, really little. And they, they laugh and the first smile, you just eat it up, right? You just can't get enough of it. You hold them, it's so peaceful. They're helpless, right? They need a lot of help because they can't really do anything on their own. And you love them for it. But what if that, that infant grows up to be a healthy 17-year-old? but still lives and acts like an infant. I mean, can you imagine a, a healthy, and I say healthy like for all intents and purposes, a healthy 17-year-old is in algebra class in high school, and, and the mom brings them in, carries them in, and puts them in the, the, the pack and play right here, and teacher's trying to teach algebra, and this, this I mean, you know a 17-year-old guy, some of them can grow a full beard? I mean, can you imagine, you're in algebra class, other 17-year-olds, and you look over and here's this this 17-year-old who has chest hair coming out of his onesie. And you're like, I'm sorry, but that's not cool. And, and, he, and he's drinking from a baby bottle. And he starts crying. And all the 17 year olds are like, what, did he lose his phone? No, 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 he lost his pacifier. That, that's why he's crying. That, as we all know, is ludicrous, right? That could not happen. That's not cool. And Paul the Apostle was saying to these Corinthians, what you're doing is not cool. How you're living, 
not cool. How you're behaving, not cool. Why? Because you were an infant in Christ, and that was normal and expected, but it has been three years, and you are still exhibiting baby behavior. The heartbreak for Paul, you could hear it in this passage, I believe, is that these Corinthians who were exhibiting baby behavior were missing out on what Christ had intended for life to be like for them. They were completely missing it. Instead of eating steak dinners in the word of God, they were drinking from little milk bottles. And Paul's like, what? You could be so far on. You should be a teacher by now. Instead, you're still drinking from the milk bottle. What is going on? It was heartbreak for Paul because they were missing out on the life that Christ had intended for them. And he was heartbroken because when we live below the life that Christ intended, others miss out. He was heartbroken because what about their spouses? What were they getting at home? Family members, the kids, the relatives, the co-workers. They were getting baby behavior. And it had been three years they were missing out. Needs in that community, I would imagine, were not being met at the level that they could be. Impact that could have been had was not being had at the level that it could be. People that needed to be witnessed to weren't being witnessed to. Why? Because they were inundated with baby behavior. Now, one of the important parts of this passage is, is found by Paul's declaration to the Corinthians that they were still worldly. Verse 1, he says that they're worldly. In verse 3, he says that they're worldly. And what Paul did, though, was use two different words that we have translated into English, the same word. And it's okay, it, it, it's right, worldly is right, but there is a slight difference, a nuance, if you will, of what Paul did in the Greek. He used two different Greek words. The first time, he used the word sarkinos, and the second time, which is in verse 3, used the word, the Greek word sarkikos, or sarkikos, and what Paul was doing is forming two separate words, although ta- attached, tied together, with slightly different meaning. In the first instance of this, in verse 1, he's like, when you were infants, you, you, were, you were of the flesh. You were fleshy. Like there were things that you're still dealing with because you had just come to Christ. But in verse 3, he says, you are still worldly. What he was saying is like, okay, that's what you were, but now... You're still there, but it's not because you have to be. You're still there because you're choosing to be. You're not willing to change. You're not willing to change. He's like, it's been three years. You were infants, and you're still infants, still exhibiting baby behavior. I'm sure the Corinthians would have thought, yeah, right. Like, who are you to say that to us? Like, we're good. We've got it figured out. We've come a long way. We're mature in the Lord. And Paul, I'm sure, knew that that would be their response. It's kind of human nature to justify, to make excuses, to defend. And so he says, I'll give you a couple examples of baby behavior. Verse 3, he says this. For since there is jealousy and quarreling, quarreling among you, are you not worldly? He gives them two examples, jealousy. Some translations say envy. It, it's being upset when someone achieves more or someone receives more. Someone has said it like this, that envy rejoices 
when someone else weeps and envy weeps when someone else is rejoicing. It's being upset when someone else receives something or accomplishes or achieves something that you wish you had. And it might be a good opportunity for us to do a little inventory of ourselves and say, okay, is there any envy in me? What if that coworker gets that promotion that you deserved? It's that volunteer that gets celebrated when you know you put in more hours than they did. You've been keeping track. <laughs> Maybe it's person who you think is more gifted in singing or in something else or they have more followers on Insta or they might even be someone that you think has better looks or they don't struggle with their way like I have to. There's envy. And Paul uses that as an example and says that's baby behavior. And he gives one more example here in this text and that is quarreling. It's, it's like infighting. See, the believers in Christ were, were to come together in unity side by side. Instead, they were choosing sides. We talked about this a couple messages ago. They were choosing Apollos or Paul and putting their confidence in them. You're like, I'm with this guy. I'm with that guy. And the Apostle Paul's like, forget that. What they were doing is they were arguing and fighting about issues that don't even matter. Can't imagine anybody doing that today, Right? They're arguing, they're fighting, they're forming factions or groups. And be like, our group is better, our group knows more. And Paul's like, that is an example of baby behavior in your life. And he basically says that when you, or when I, or when the Corinthians exhibit baby behavior, look at this, verse 3. Are you not acting like just mere humans? Verse 4, are you not? When you have baby behavior, just mere human beings? In other words, are you not just acting like everybody else when you do that? When you're not experiencing the power of the gospel and the transformation that happens through Christ? Are, are you not just acting human? And we might think, well, Pastor Keith, that, that seems normal. <laughs> like, I'm a human being, so I should act human. I should... Be ordinary. See, Christ didn't die so that we could live an ordinary life. He didn't. And what hell fears most is a Christian discovering all that God created them to be. Ordinary people made extraordinary by Christ's resurrection power. Hell fears that more than anything, I believe. If we would get what Christ actually provided, we would embrace it and live it. See, we we're not called to be normal. We we're called to a new normal that Christ instituted with his kingdom. We weren't called to be ordinary but extraordinary in him. And I know that the church in the 21st century has struggles and issues. We get that. But consider for a moment one of the struggles that the early church had 2,000 years ago. This was one of their struggles. Convincing people that they were not superheroes. Let me give you some examples. Cornelius was an officer in the Roman Empire. He led men. He led leaders. 
And when he heard about Simon Peter and the other disciples and what God was doing, he invited, begged Simon Peter and his friends to come to his house. And when they got to his house, this is a Roman officer. He falls down on his face and begins to worship Simon Peter and his friends. And immediately Simon Peter and his friends are like, whoa, um, big man, please get up right now because we are not gods. We are just men. In Lystra, God had done some incredible things. The gospel had been preached, and, and the, the city went crazy. Chaos erupted, and they began to scream, the gods have come down, the gods have come down. We read about this in the book of Acts. Paul and Barnabas were being called gods, and immediately they rebuked the people. And they said, stop, 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 stop. We are not gods. We are only people, as you are. The difference was they were followers of Christ. I mean, even unbelievers said of the early church, these are the people that turned the world upside down. And even in Jerusalem, of all places, the unbelievers in that city, the Bible says, held the believers in high regard. Why? Because they were living at an extraordinary level. Their love and their joy and their peace and their power was at a level that was anything, wasn't anything like normal. It wasn't anything like ordinary. That's what hell fears most, that we as followers of Christ would get it and understand what Christ has called us to be, the life that he intended us to live. Ordinary people become extraordinary by Christ's resurrection power. That's why Paul called out certain believers in Corinth, because they weren't living at the level that Christ had intended. So he calls them out calls them babies, calls them infants, calls them worldly. You know, I'm a believer in Christ and have been for a number of years. And so I had to ask myself the question this week, okay, as a believer in Christ, the Corinthians were believers, those in the church, I said, okay, as a believer in Christ, is there still any baby behavior in me? Are there any... Attitudes and actions that are in me that are less than the life that Christ intended. I ask you the same question today. Is there any baby behavior in you? Don't answer that for the person sitting beside you. For you. Is there any baby behavior in you? And I wonder if your answer will be the same as mine was this week. Yes. Might be selfishness. A me first mentality. Maybe it's envy, greed, it's conflict, it just follows you. Maybe it's a lack of compassion, lack of patience. Maybe it's habitual overeating, laziness, apathy. A lack of love. A lack of patience, harshness, lack of self-control, and the list, as we know, could go on and on. Believers, why do I, and maybe you, still have some baby behavior? I mean, think about this. How, how many of you have, have been saved, you've gotten saved in the last two years, came to Christ in the last two years? How many in the last five years? 
How many of you have been saved? You gave your life to Christ um, at least 10 years ago. How many at least 30 years ago? Wow. And some we could probably keep going. But yet, as I'm honest with myself, maybe as you're honest with yourself today, you might see like, ah, there's still some baby behavior in there. Why? Why is that? Why would there still be some baby behavior? I want to share three uh, possibilities and may the Holy Spirit work in your heart where he needs to. The first is this, of why there might be baby behavior. I hope this helps. Baby behavior, first of all, is the result of baby blame. Baby behavior is the result of baby blame. Have you ever heard a baby apologize for something that he or she did? Probably not. I mean, you probably had the experience of changing a diaper, changing a dirty diaper for them because you love them so much and that baby doesn't even apologize for what he or she did in that diaper. You're like, this is not cool. Sometimes they might even cry and you're like, well, you're making matters worse. Like, I'm trying to help you here and you're crying. Sometimes they laugh. Now that's just cold. That is cold. If they did apologize or if they did speak up, in their ways, what would they say? They'd probably say something like, it's not my fault. It's not my fault that I just peed on your nice shirt. It's not my fault that I just spit up in your pretty little hair on the way to church. It's not my fault. Because a baby never takes responsibility, ever. See, to get rid of baby behavior, one must look in the mirror. Because the mirror don't lie. Look in the mirror. Ask yourself, what's in my life? What's coming out of my life? How is what I'm saying affecting those around me? How is what I'm doing affecting the people that I love the most? What negative characteristics that were in my parents are now present in my own life? Why does conflict seem to follow me? Why are there people that seem to avoid me? It's looking in the mirror. See, moving past baby behavior requires that you own up to what's in your own life. Moving past baby behavior requires you and I to own up to what's in our own life. There's no other way around it. So stop blaming your parents for how they raised you. Stop blaming your ex-friends for how they treated you. Stop blaming the people at work who put you into a bad mood. Own it. Yep, that's on me. I chose that attitude. I chose to dwell there. Like, that's on me. How I treated that server, or that referee, or that driver that I don't even know, that's on me. That's on me. Did you know that even Moses had some baby blame? Behavior in his life? He did. Because of his behavior, God had said he wasn't going to be able to go to the promised land. And that, that was like his goal. He wanted to go to the promised land. And God said no. And Moses, multiple times, if you read through the Old Testament, starts pointing the figure at the Israelites. And he said this in his own words. It's because of you that God is angry with me. He did this multiple times. Point of it's because of you and you and you and you that God is angry with me. 
And finally, God said to him, and I quote, do not speak to me again about this. And we on to say this, you, Moses, God talking, you broke faith with me in the presence of the Israelites at the waters of Meribah. And because you did not uphold my holiness among the Israelites, therefore you will see the land only from a distance. See, as long as we blame others for our actions and our attitudes, we will exhibit baby behavior. Jesus spoke of a hated tax collector who actually owned up to his choices and his lifestyle. And Jesus said what this man did when he owned up, he, he wouldn't even look up to heaven, he wouldn't lift his eyes, but he beat his chest and cried out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's what we do with baby blame. We own up to our baby behavior instead of blaming others. Say, God, be merciful to me. Jesus honored him for it. See, moving past baby behavior requires that you own up to what's in your own life. And number two, this might be a, another reason why there might be some baby behavior in you and in me. It's this, baby behavior is the result of baby surrender. Baby behavior is the result of baby surrender. Baby blame says it's not my fault. Baby surrender says it's not time yet. I'm not ready yet. Think about it like this. How many have ever helped a little one get potty trained? How many are in that right now? The kid's 14 and you're helping them out. I was like, we're praying for you. We got your back. Just keep going. Potty training. Wow. That's tough. You know, when you're potty training them, you're trying to get them to, to see, like, there's another way to do things. Right? The pants. Okay, that's the old way. Potty. That's the new way. But have you ever found when you're potty training a little one that uh, there comes a point where they mess their pants and you know why it's because they were playing legos they were playing with their cars they're playing with their dolls and they're like who has time to get up from this joyous occasion to go all the way in there so they just do it in their pants that's just what that's what they do and if, if a mom um would talk to them the mom would say as as she's cleaning things up like um hey buddy you know what you're supposed to do and if you could get into that little kid's mind he's probably thinking something like this yeah, but I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. If we could now in this next moment get gut level honest with ourselves. Baby behavior is the result of baby surrender. I'm not, mm, I'm not yet ready yet. Maybe for you it's I'm not ready to let go of that unforgiveness. What they did was wrong and it hurt. And you, you know that. That the Bible says you're to forgive just as God in Christ has forgiven you. You know that. But you're just not ready yet. Baby surrender is saying I'm not ready to give up that, that certain sinful pleasure. I know what the word of God says. It's clear. I'm, I know this conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's real. But I'm just not ready. Maybe in a few months. Maybe tomorrow. But not yet. Baby surrender says, God, I'll surrender to you in this area. You've got it. You've got it. But over here, no, there's some things I still want to hold on to. I'll say yes here, God, but I, I'm still kind of saying no 
hate to say it out loud, kind of saying no over here. It's called baby surrender. And if baby behavior exists in your life, it's likely there is some baby surrender as well. Finally, another reason quite possibly why there could be some baby behavior in our lives is because of this. Baby behavior is the result of baby belief. Baby behavior is the result of baby belief. I think one of the the great revelations that a little boy or little girl is um, could have is this, that they, they, they realize, they get the revelation that they don't have to mess their pants anymore. And you might say, what, what? That's, no, that's one of the big revelations that they could come to at that time. Think about this. Sports, out of the question, especially if you're running. Like if, you're, if you haven't had that revelation, you could just forget that. Forget dating. That's not going to work. And you might say, Pastor Keith, could you please stop talking about dirty diapers? We're teenagers, we're adults in this place. It's gross. Here's the thing, I get it. But trying to be true to this text, what Paul the Apostle was trying to get across to the Corinthians is that envy is also gross. So is quarreling. So is unforgiveness. For a believer, so is worry. So is greed. It's gross. Paul wants them to know that there is another way. You see, I believe one of the main reasons why a sinner or why a believer in Christ would sin or have a sinful attitude that they're retaining, that they've held on to, is because they falter in their belief. They falter in their faith. If one truly believes in what Christ is and they know it, and they believe it, they've embraced what Christ has done, that is a one-two punch to baby behavior. So let me ask you, about your faith, about your belief, what do you think and believe about sin? Do you believe as a believer that you have to sin? Do you believe that you have to sin? Do you believe that it is inevitable that you as a believer sometime along the way you're going to sin? I hear that from believers heard it many, many times, this statement, I'm going to sin. And I think when I hear that, I'm going to sin, like, man, if they don't know what Christ has provided and they don't believe it, yeah, they probably will. Many people say, I'm going, like, it's inevitable, I'm going to sin, I'm human, I'm going to sin. But I would challenge you to find any scripture that would back that up. That as a believer, it's inevitable that you are going to sin. Because the scripture says something completely different. This is one of many, 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 many passages that we could go to. Romans chapter 6 says this. Since we have been united with Christ in his death, that happens at the point of salvation, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. That's what the Word says. This is speaking of the compulsion to sin, the I have to of sin. 
And I'm not standing up here saying that, you know what, I am convinced that none of us in this place will sin at all this week or have any sinful attitudes. Like it just isn't going to happen, not from us in this place. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if you are in Christ, you've placed your faith in him, you're born again, you're saved. If that's you, then you don't have to sin. And if, if this week you have a sinful attitude that you've held on to or you make a sinful choice, underline that word choice. Because if you sin or if I sin this week, it is not because we had to. It is because we chose to. That is a massive difference between the natural person and the spiritual person, the one with the spirit and the one without the spirit. It is this, the compulsion to sin has been cut away. You might say, Pastor Keith, that's not how it feels for me. I'm not preaching your feelings. I'm preaching what the word of God says. And may our feelings line up with the word of God. What do you believe about ungodly attitudes and habits? Do you believe that you could change? I've heard many people say, this is just how I am. This is how I roll. This is how my parents were. This is how I am. This is who I am. This is what the Word of God says. Romans 12, too. Many of you know this scripture. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed. Compound word in the Greek. Metamorpho. From where we get our word metamorphosis. You all know it's a complete change. From the inside out. It's what God does in us. Whoom, renews us. Our spirit comes alive. We are now united with Christ. We're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Yet Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in Christ, I live by faith in the Son of God. There is a, a newness that, that comes in, a transformation that comes in. And Paul's saying, walk in that. That transformation, and that is good news for us as believers who have not yet arrived. That's me, that's probably you. Like there's growth that needs to be had. There's still some attitudes that, that need to be, to be cut away and to let go of. And God promises to come alongside us and say, let's do this. Here's the thing. I'm not preaching that you need to up your willpower so that the baby behavior is discarded. I'm saying embrace God's power. Embrace the power that comes from relationship with God and knowledge and belief in his word of the power that he gives you to walk different, to walk in a way that's extraordinary, to walk in a way that points people to Christ day in, day out. Imagine what your marriage could be like even this week if that baby behavior got pushed away. Imagine at work I mean, what would it be like in your home? What would it be like with your friends, the people you play basketball with, or whoever that you're with this week, if baby behavior was dropped? It's a different ballgame. All of a sudden, people are looking at you like they did the early church and being like, oh, that's what Jesus looks like. Oh, oh that's how you respond. Oh, oh, that's how you grieve. Oh, that, that's how you deal with difficult things in life. That's how you deal with People who have offended you. That's, oh, that's Jesus. That's what Jesus would do. Baby behavior is most often, I believe, the result of baby belief. 
our faith needs to grow. Understanding of who God is, what he's done, and faith meaning embracing that, saying, yes, I'm claiming this truth and I'm living this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So get into the word this week. And I believe also that our faith grows and builds as we declare it out loud. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And one of the ways that we end our services at times is by declaring the word of God together. And so would you please stand in this place. And if you're a believer in Jesus, you've placed your faith in Jesus. I want to encourage you to join with others who are around you in declaring the promises of God. Declaring the truth of who you are in God. And the challenge then is to live it out. To actually believe it. And then to live like it with his power. And so would you join me as we declare some truths that are ours if we are a follower of Jesus Christ. Here we go. Repeat after me, would you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Everything is possible for him or her who believes. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. Our Lord. The Spirit helps me in my weakness. God's grace is sufficient for me. His power is made perfect in my weakness. His divine power has given me everything that I need for a godly life in Christ Jesus. Amen. Do you believe that? Let's live it. Thank you for listening. You know, we believe God has something amazing in store for you today. And now is the perfect time to take a few moments and pray about what you just heard. If this message spoke to you, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to office at cccmidland.com or connect with us on your favorite social media at cccmidland.com.